perspective everywhere you go Open up your mind, drown out the noise And see if this connected And see if this connected What's up, fam? The mission of this connected podcast is to connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along the way. To not necessarily agree, but be listened to. These conversations, of course, highlight the perspective of our various guests, and you are always welcome to agree or even disagree. But as always, we hope that it is done in charity. Now, here's your host, Catholic.Dad. Thank you, Tony, for always introducing me. Um, we wouldn't have a show without our producer, Tony. Our producer, Tony, is actually on vacation today. We gave him actually a day off so that um, any problems that we're going to have in this episode is completely and totally my fault. Um, but fam, we are going to be talking something heavy today in this episode, something that we ought to, as a church, speak about. And we are going to talk about that really, really, really deep topic that's really difficult to talk about, even more difficult to hear, and for a lot of our community, even more difficult to act on uh, and resolving um, this topic and what's happening in our society. And we are talking, fam, about the topic of racism. So that is our topic for today. And with me to have this conversation, to have this dialogue, is Alex Barasa. And Alex is the Regional Coordinator for Youth and Young Adult Ministry, Pastoral Juvenil, in the Diocese of Sacramento, the city of the sacraments. So welcome to the show, Alex. Please tell our fam... A little bit more about you. Well, how do you do, y'all? Thank you very much for having me. It's um, a blessing and an honor to be here um, with such um, important uh, people. And I said that with all my heart, uh, and I mean it. Um, thank you for all you do on, on behalf of the church, and especially the young church. Your love for the young church. I don't know. I am totally am um, a fan, number one fan right here. Amen. Um, uh, so who am I? Who who's this guy? Um, uh, I am. Um, I'm a father. I'm a husband. Or first, I'm a husband. Then I'm a father. I have three um, children, which are not children anymore. They're um, uh, twenty uh, two, uh, twenty and uh, seventeen. So um, and um, this year, uh, by the grace of God and the patience of my beautiful wife, we're going to be married twenty five years. Wow! And uh, Yes, so um, I'm very excited because you know um, I I cannot believe it. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, really? I mean, if I, I it's been a, a quite a journey that I'm uh, that the Lord has allowed us to be. So I've been in ministry for a while uh, since I was um, 16 years, and I um, um, went to confirmation. And usually, um, the way it goes. Uh, interestingly, I, I, I'm from Mexico. I was born in Mexico, um, and I'm, I'm um, 1.5, which is I came to the United States before I was 15. And that's um, the technical term. I like it because it's 1.5. I mean, it's like this. I were not a full version. <laughs> it were not 2.0 or or 1.0 or 1.5. And um, and I am um, uh, I 
we were Catholic, but um, um, mass scholars, um, Catholic. My parents were involved with the prayer group. Um, that we used to go to prayer um, nights, but I came to the church in the United States, and um, because I was the most um, noxious and the one that talked the most, the sisters saw potential, and they had me teaching uh, catechism. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first uh, experience of uh, church. They put me in front of these kids and they said, "There's a book, figure it out." <laughs> and uh, and it was it was a challenge. It was. Because I have no idea, and um, um, it was quite a journey to do that. And from there, um, uh, we I was involved in retreat ministry, which I still am. We've been doing now retreats as a family. Um, and um, um, the Lord had mercy of me, and I met my wife through ministry. Mm-hmm. So that's um, for you all that are looking for wives. Um, become a minister and the lord blesses you abundantly i mean even you don't have no idea in the lord gives um uh, with um, open arms so i don't know don't do that don't don't be a minister just because you're looking for a wife but you know it's one of the perks um what do you call that perks, one of, the of, perks the job? of one of the perks of the job yeah there you go you can even get married no but um uh, so yeah i've been i've been um i was a missionary um we went around, we worked with the migrant workers um, that would go from the El Valle de Texas, from uh, the um, areas close to the border. Um, they would go up north. Um, uh, uh, that's what they would say. And uh, they would follow them. Um, like Indiana had corn. Um, Nebraska had the beets. So they would follow the, the different. Um, um, uh, farming, mm-hmm. what was going on, and um, uh, the church, the the diocese of Corpus Christi, uh, through the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, would provide a sacramental accompaniment. Wow! So um, uh, um, I did that for about two years, and it was the most. Um, it was very, and and we can, we'll talk about racism later. Yeah. But it was it was um um it was a beautiful ministry um. The Lord allowed us to see many beautiful things and then some very challenging things. Um, um, so I've been involved in ministry as a, a parish, um, DRE youth minister. Um, in the last 13 years, four months, um, in a couple of days, as um, a diocesan um, um, youth minister or coordinator of youth ministry at yeah. the diocese. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful testimony. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful life, you know. Uh, but I have to say I have you beat because I've been married 26 years. There you go. The, the, there's, that's, that's it. There's hope. <laughs> <laughs> and, from, and from one father to another, it is so wonderful and beautiful to, to hear um, when other fathers have their children who serve with them. And I think that was one of the reasons why I got involved in ministry was I wanted to my children to get more involved in the faith um, because as as similar to you I wasn't you know um, and and I think a story is for a lot of ministers out there who are actively ministering we weren't you know we we weren't born with 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 wanting to evangelize with wanting to share our faith. And and that's beautiful here. And I love your story that you were a missionary. 
Yeah. Yes. And mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that I think with I'm Filipino, and one of the commonalities of Filipinos and 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 our Hispanic brothers and sisters is that we also came here as migrant workers. You know, you know, my 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 relatives in the past um, follow the crop rotations. You know, the the big ongoing joke was, you know, the Filipinos were the ones who who picked the asparagus because we were closer to the ground. Uh, so, the worst job ever, too, because mm-hmm. you know you got everything in your socks. If you guys know about asparagus farms, it's all dust, and you have to duct tape your socks and your clothes and everything. So that because once you get you know that itchiness inside of you, you're you're done. You're itching all day and all you know until you finish. And then you know with asparagus picking, you ask anyone who's ever picked asparagus, you got to pick them fast because you're paid by the weight. And mm-hmm. during the hot day, with if that asparagus dries up, you're gonna get paid less. So, mm. um, is that by the bucket, like uh, Chile? That is 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 by the actual how much they weigh. So. How much they weigh? Wow! Know, put it in your basket. It's like you know. You, I always I always tease my you know people and says, well, why did you just like just pour water all over them? It's like, well, you gotta understand, there is no water. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, people don't get it. It's like it you're out there in the middle of nowhere, and and that's when you decide: should I go to the bathroom or should I keep working? Yeah. I mean, you have to be very mindful of your time. Yeah. And uh, and there's always a big man looking, unfortunately, and and you have to be mindful of many things. Yeah, there's a, you, yeah. you're right. There's always that man who's watching and checking and making sure that you, you know, and it's it's just so bad. Um, mm. But and in some cases, that you know, in many cases, that's still the story. That's still mm-hmm. the story, and we still need missionaries uh, to go out there to share the good news um, and to do that Eucharist, Eucharistic ministry for for the migrants. Um, but our topic, you know, before we get into that, is as a father, you know, as an immigrant, you know. How how do you, how have you raised your children in the church? Because I think I'm giving a talk tomorrow to parents about Mr. Goji, and and always the parents always ask, well, how did you keep your children in the faith? And my answer is, you know what, my children are still in that early stage of college, so I still got work to do. It's an ongoing job, but how do you, what do you say to peop- to parents, especially on those retreats, those parent sponsor retreats, when they say, how do I keep my kids in the faith? You, you know, um, faith is not, is not mine to give or my wife's to give. It's, it's grace from God. So, um, uh, um, I mean, we prayed, my wife and I, um, uh, Anna, um, uh, for our children, and, and we pray sincerely for them to find God's will in their life. Um, uh, my my kids at points have asked, what do you want me to do with my life? And I said, I want you to do God's will in your life. So you need to pray. And my, my wife is, is, is very holy, and she always um, um, uh, invites them to uh, um, pray, like he'll say, have you prayed about this? Have you asked God our Father? We call him Papito Dios, which is our relationship with, with God our Father. Have you called, asked Papito Dios um, for wisdom in this decision that you're making? 
no, I haven't. Okay, why don't you go pray, and then we can. you tell me what he said, and then we talk about it. Uh, I can help you discern it. But, um, but it's on their, on their um, court, right? I mean, they need to be the ones um, 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 actively seeking God's will for their, for their lives. Then another thing that we have learned, um, we do a lot of theological reflection on, on the music they listen to, the movies we watch. And we say, okay, so this movie, where is God in this movie? Where do you see um, gospel values, right? I mean, they're older now, so we can have this um, uh, higher language conversation. But when they were little, is you think what he did is right? Mm-hmm. Do you think the way he's acting is proper? And then so they can start discerning for themselves if what they're watching is good or bad. But it's not me teaching them, but it's them discovering, right? Because faith is an invitation. I cannot force faith down anyone's throat. It's grace. God's grace um, allows people. And uh, in, in, in that sense, um, one of them, um, I, can, I can, we're not doing a father. I know that's. I, I met you as the father podcast when in the year of St. Joseph, but as um as a father, there's two moments that I hold very close to my heart. Um my oldest one time we we're gonna give a talk and he was gonna um he was getting ready and um I didn't know exactly what he was gonna say. Um uh, it was because like we never had time to actually hear everything he was going to say and then we went and he said something that truly really touched me uh he said you know i am um, i i used to believe he, he told the, the kids over there i used to believe because my parents told me but then i um met jesus and now i believe because i met uh jesus christ and i was like I wanted to cry, right? It's okay. I'm done. I can go. I mean, it, that was like, I mean, the answer to a lot of prayers. Because my our prayer, um, my wife and I have been that they believe, that they come to their realization that faith is um, meaningful to them. Even if I don't understand it, how they are, their um, God is working in them. But my prayer is that they open themselves up to, to the Lord, not to what I have to say. And then the other moment that I hold to my heart, um, my son's youth group used to do um, um, uh, the sessions, the live sessions of the Christ. Mm-hmm. They used to call it um, uh, um, um, uh, not the Via Crucis. It was a, the uh, they used to call it a play because it was live stations mm-hmm. and it was like a play, um, uh, right? And um, and he came and he was really excited because he was the tallest, so they were going to crucify him. <laughs> He was he was so excited that he was gonna be Jesus and they were gonna crucify him. And and I was like, No. <laughs> and and that was the most painful experience of my life. To see him on the cross. I mean, the whole experience of them like banging him, because they this these boys were really into into making it like physical. I mean, they, they were crazy boys being boys. And uh, and just going through that experience, I think it was very very um, poignant to me. And uh, and and see him crucified was like, oh my God, I offer you, Lord, you know my son. Mm-hmm. And and that was very very uh, um, moving to me. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I mean, um, tears are coming rolling yeah, down my eyes. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I, I as a father, I know how that feels. 
you know, when we are when when we have that experience of of God's love through our children. Um, I'm taking notes, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm sitting here, Alex, busily trying to catch up with what you're saying, and I'm like, wait, I have this recorded. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but later. but I. <laughs> I, I would just make it a point that his faith is not mine to give. Yeah. Right. I'm the I'm the kundu, Um, I don't want to say I'm Moses that pray for the people. Um. Yet we are in in a way that's our prophetic. Um. In our our priesthood in, from baptism, we are called to um um be intermediate in intermediaries in mm-hmm. um, being between them and our Lord and to help them see. Um, make sense of of who God is in them. Yet it's not for me to tell them, but for them to discover who God is in them, and then trust trust in the Lord, because that's so hard. It's like I mean, it's so hard to trust that God has something to do with all of this. Because sometimes, I mean, my nature as a dad is like, ah, oh, you're doing it wrong. Let me tell you, and uh, but uh, but to trust that God in in a way. He's acting, and you know, uh, my kids um, are into YouTube and all of that stuff, right? And um, um, so, I mean, I sat down and listened to the YouTube um, uh, programs that um, they watch just to watch them together and not to say how wrong they are, but just to um, accompany them in this and say, okay, do Mm -hmm. you think this is. Oh, okay, of everything that I heard, that I just want to go vomit and then come back. But where is where is the gospel in all of this, right? Tell me, tell me where the gospel is, and and they can make some um, uh, honest um, uh, um, parallels to 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 Bible reference or scripture uh, knowledge and what have you. So I said, okay, well, they're they're. It's okay. I mean, I will never ever watch PewDiePie again in my life. <laughs> but I mean, if they, I mean, that was painful. But uh, um, uh, yeah. But yeah, he might have something to say that could be taken into um, into account. And it's interesting because in the in the sense of uh, racism. We've had a lot of uh, conversations about that, and PewDiePie is considered one of the racists because of his actions and his words that he said. So um, my kids will say, no, 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 you're taking it out of context, and you need to do this, you need to listen to that, and blah, blah, blah. So we've had some very interesting um, conversations, especially with him, about him. Um, I completely do not agree of who he is as a person, but um, uh, but that has led us to some other deep conversations and I, and I love that what, what you just said there that you go and spend time with them to experience what they spend where they spend their time with I know where my children go I know what they do and I don't quite agree with that but they can explain to me where they find the gospel in that message and 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 I think what we're missing a lot of times is, you know, the podcast mission is to connect generations and situations where we don't necessarily have to agree, but be listened to. Is that mm-hmm. we don't take the opportunity 
to come together to listen and dialogue. Because where I see a lot of times where dialogue between generations is the older people talking and the younger people pretending like they're listening. Mm-hmm. That's not dialogue. And I think, it, you know, we, I hate to go back to this whole thing with a synod on synodality, but it's literally just listening. Mm-hmm. And, and not canceling somebody just because their views uh, challenge my the way I think mm-hmm. or make me uncomfortable. Right. I mean, because um, in my in especially my oldest, um, uh, he's like, you can always tell me you cannot cancel people just because you don't agree with them. Right. I mean, and it's like, oh, but I can't. I can't. He doesn't subscribe so easily. <laughs> but uh, but he's always challenged me um, not to have the the cancel uh, mentality, and 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 I have seen myself um, um, challenged by that and, and grown into that, right? Um, uh, to accept people where they are, without judging them for what they're saying, and um, uh, with them. Um, with with the Christian hope that we can uh, someday come to a better understanding of what faith is or where faith is, right? Because we we um the, to use words in in uh, in our our theme um, uh, of uh, racism, our colonizer mentality many times says that God, you don't know God until you speak God the way I speak it. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You don't have a godly experience until you do it the way I do it, mm-hmm. and then you have God. And and in reality, um, uh, God is present, omnipresent in people. We just need to um, uh, be open to discovering who God is and where God is, and already working in the midst of people. Yeah, I think that the best vision that I have of God is that. Um, a lot of times, as you said, is you don't have God until you speak the way that 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 we speak, or you pray the way that we pray. Um, you know, my vision of God is that God came down to me. You know, He humbled Himself so that I would receive Him. You know, because you know I can't reach God. I can't, and so He sends His Son. So that I can, you know, the, the, I I believe in the humility of our faith, but that doesn't that hasn't always been that way because, as you said, in our colonial mentality, we have become our mentality has been the mentality of our colonizers. You know, that's that's our faith is the faith of our colonizers. And and that is how we continue to, to, someone would say, behave in, in our church. So before we get into our, our, our huge topic on racism, I I did want to ask you uh, about pastoral juvenil. And for a lot of our listeners and many of our listeners, they don't know what pastoral juvenil is. So educate us a little bit. What is pastoral juvenil? So pastoral juvenil is the the. Um, organized effort of the church to reach out Latino, Hispanic, um, young people in a language, not particularly Spanish, but in a cultural language they understand. Oh. And then they move around. Um, so it doesn't have to be in English or Spanish. It's about 
our um, the way we see um, and receive faith as a Hispanic Latino people and allowing people to express that. Awesome. You know, I, the reason why I ask is a lot of times people misunderstand what that is. They misunderstand it. Oh, you know, they want their own youth group. Um, and it's not. It's not. It's a, you know, and it's beautiful once you learn it, and you can support it, and it can be addressed. And I think in, in a way, when we have Pastoral Juvenil and people don't understand it and they don't dialogue with it about it and are educated about it, it boils down to again a parish that those 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 um what did I wrote down something that that um one of the deacons said it's it's the 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 ghost of racism starts to come up the ghost of yep. racism starts come up and and it comes up in ways that that we don't necessarily think is wrong until we reflect on it and it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I said that. Or I can't believe I thought that. Um and then the 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 words that come out, but I'm not a racist. It and so that that uh segues us to to that topic, you know, on racism. And and especially racism within our own church, within our own families. It's a difficult topic. We we don't talk about it enough um, because I I believe that we don't want to be branded as racist with our with our thoughts. But um, I'm going to speak for myself in my community. I can say that there are many many people in my community and in, in in my Filipino culture that are very racist. You know the the ways that they they talk about each other and talk about people even within our own Filipino community. We we are very much um, racist, and we address that. And guess who points that out to us? Young people. Our young people. Mm. Our young people who grew up and are the protagonist for change. And it's hard. It's difficult for us who are older to to hear these ghosts of racism coming up yep. from our own children who point out, mm. you know, who— who hang out the dirty laundry per se? So mm. let's have that. And, and you know, and it's, it's interesting uh, and important what you're saying because I have found um, within uh, people close to us and that we have a double facade. We have the public facade where we pretend we're the nicest people in the world and we like people, and then when we retreat to our um, homes with people that we really trust, we're a completely different uh, person. Mm -hmm. with a completely different uh, perception of who people are. And uh, it would be a saying, we have um, um, a double personality, right? We don't want people to think that we're racist. So we smile, we we bow at people, we wave at, at people, right? Because we, we pretend that we're great people. Yet, um, that's, that's um, appearance, but um, I think um, it's what's in the heart. Um, uh, that matters, you know. Um, Saint Paul has some um, uh, one of my favorite uh, quotes in Romans is that you have to Hebrews, you have to change your mind, so you can change the heart. So you have to change the way you think, so you can change the way you believe. Because we think with the mind, but we believe with the heart. 
some uh, until we don't um, make conscious decisions of not calling people by their um, cultural family, making making Alex a Mexican. Alex the uh, Alex is Alex. Period. You know he's mm-hmm. weird not because of his cultural family, but just because he's the way he is. And uh, and until we we treat people by um, by the dignity of being children of God, then we can we can move and start making an impact. But that's difficult. Yeah, it is very difficult. You know, it, it always sees the separation. There's always the separation, even within our church. Yeah. Someone, someone had to say to me one time um, when someone was saying, oh, you go to the English Mass. Oh, you go to the Spanish Mass. And this person comes up and says, how about you say it this way? Oh, you go to the Mass in Spanish and you go to the Mass in English because the Mass is the Mass. Yeah. Um, I love it when, when my daughter would go to, she said, you know what, Dad, I'm going to be late so i'm going to go um i'm going to go to the five o'clock mass i said oh but that's in spanish it's like it's okay it's like oh yeah it is okay thank you for correcting me it is okay it's good it's good because you get to see the rest of the family you get to see the rest of the family Mm -hmm. you get to experience uh, you know the wealth of the many cultures the universality of the church Um, yeah and, and you know and like we do it on purpose um, uh, we we go to mass in Vietnamese um, uh, because we want well our kids love Vietnamese food. Well, not my daughter. My daughter has a special diet um, uh, that only the things she likes eat. <laughs> but um, everybody else, uh, I'm not a very um, eating everything either. But but uh, we go because we want to um, experience something different and we want to be challenged in um, uh, in the way we we celebrate. Um, uh, we go um, as much as we can. We try to go to um, places that are very different than us, so we can um, so we can see um, and experience um, our faith in different um, uh, flavors. Um, uh, the way people play, the way people um, do different things. So it is um, a way of opening our eyes. And it's mm-hmm. it's very beautiful when when you get to meet. <laughs> other people mm-hmm. you know my you know my experience as an immigrant in the united states um was where my mother really tried really hard to raise us uh where she felt that we would have better opportunities and you know what that means she moved us um into predominantly white neighborhoods um to give us a, a better opportunity but you know it was um what my brother and I used to laugh at is, you know, when, when you're poor and brown um, and you're put in the white neighborhood, you're still just a poor brown person in that white neighborhood and they still don't like you. And and, and it, was, it was tough growing up, uh, you know. Uh, I can't imagine how it was for other people. I can only speak... You know, it's telling my daughter, I can only speak on my experiences, you know, of being looked at, of being, um, I remember going um, to the store and and being, asking for something. And, you know, 
one of the things is is as Asian, we speak very low. And this one lady said, "Do you understand me?" Uh, and I'm thinking, you know, it doesn't really matter how slow you speak. If I didn't understand you, I wouldn't understand you. But maybe you they'll know, say, you. <laughs> "Yeah." And uh, and I remember my mom holding me back, and she's she she came back and said, "You know how smart you have to be to speak two languages." And she said, "You are so much smarter because you can speak and understand two languages." She only knows one, so you be better. But one one of those things that that would always annoy me is is being made to feel less than, or my mother always telling me, "You have to be better than that." Um, because you know, when you're young, you just want to punch someone's lights out. You mm-hmm. just want to yell. You know, th- this is not fair. You know, why, why, why am I being treated this way? I remember not all my friends applied for the movie theater, and I was the only one who was not hired. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I wonder why." It's like I'm more qualified from all my friends, but you know that that was. Those experiences, but I think those experiences actually um, allowed me to see in a different light what what that we can have something better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you, I was, um, I have a lot of, of uh, stories about. Um, um, challenging moments. Yet, I two two moments. So, um, um, the first job um outside El Paso was I went to Charlotte, North Carolina, to work at a very um very big, very um uh, fancy church in 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 Charlotte. Um, uh, it was a very wealthy church, and um, uh, my wife and I walked into the church, and the usher intercepted us and said, um, you know, this mass is in English. Uh, so you might feel uh, better. The, the mass in, in for the Mexicans is, and then he told us where it was because they had a center for masses for the Mexicans. It was like a one place. So you might feel better there. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to be working here. So <laughs> might as well, you know. And he said, no, 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 I think you might feel better over there. You might want to go over there. And I said, no. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i here, and I'm going to stay for this mass. It's okay. Thank you for your concern. But um, uh, it was um, um, in in the shroud of niceness. Um, uh, people are very racist, mm-hmm. but they're being nice. And it's a shroud. It's um, smoke. Um, um, thing, right? Yeah. Curtain. And, um, I, I worked in, um, in uh, Minnesota as well as a youth minister. And, um, uh, there were, I was a small town. So, so there was one family that was particularly, um, very wealthy. They were millionaires. And, um, uh, they own like half the town, right? And I needed a donation. 
some uh, for the use. Uh, we had a use van, and I wanted to buy new equipment. So the pastor told me to go and ask the McCormicks, right? Because the McCormicks um, have a lot of money, and I said, "Why not go and ask the McCormicks?" I mean, and he told, me, "Oh, just just uh, ask for an appointment." So um, I remember, I they gave me an appointment. I went to the house, uh, the lady, and I, I she opened the door, and the house was all white. Everything was pristine white. And I felt so, I mean, it was like, oh my God. It's like, what? I mean, I felt so conscious. It's like, I'm going to dirty something, right? Because it's so pristine. I mean, we're different people. I mean, I don't, my, I, yeah. So it was a very challenging thing. I had never walked on a, on a white carpet and I don't think I will ever walk. <laughs> and I, and she asked me to sit down in this beautiful sofa. And I remember I sat like in the edge just in case, cause I didn't know. Um, and then she asked me if I wanted to drink something. I said, no, <laughs> cause I, I'll probably dump it. And then she sat down and she said, you know what? You're the first Mexican that has ever come inside in my living room. Most all of the Mexicans that I work with have stayed um, in the uh, in the yard around. They have never walked into the house, and that made me just more conscious, self-conscious. Like, oh my God, I'm representing my whole <laughs> culture. <laughs> and it's like, and uh, and I was like, oh, great, but um, it's 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 challenging. Um, um, uh, it's, I think it's challenging on both sides, um, uh, being able to, to open, um, a door and, 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 um, us as, as, um, uh, um, members of the non-European cultural family, um, uh, being able to, um, um, be vulnerable in some way and not hold, um, resentment. Mm-hmm. And say because we we have to swallow so much, yet we many of the things we do it we do it because of Christ. Yeah. And I think you know you you said something that that sparked my attention, and you said you know we have to we have to almost like you said you we have to swallow so much of our pride, and so that we don't express anger. And I think it's 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 something that that I used to get so annoyed with when my mother would say that, um, because I just remember, you know, being told you have to be better, which in my mind connoted just be good and they'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I'm not I'm the one getting picked on. Why do I have to be good? Why can't I yell and why why can't I shout and my mother was doing that to protect. But again, it's it, we 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 sparked a little bit on our colonial mentality and our in our colonial ways. That's how we were taught to be the good. The, you know, a good Christian is a subservient Christian, and you listen. You know, you're kind. You know, just be good. Be good, little Filipinos. Be good, little Mexicans, and God will be good to you. And you know. And and we go to our history. We go to our history where, you know, we we can go deeper in, into our cultural history of of colonialism and and that colonial mentality and submission and and, yes. and 
and mm-hmm. and still to this day, my my culture, my countrymen, still fall on that that whole mentality that anything that is Western is more better than what you produce. And so you ask Filipinos, and it's like, they'll ask, oh, well, where was it made? Because if it wasn't made in Filipino, then it must be less than if it was made in the United States. You know, we like, we, you know, most uh, Asian people and cultures like things that are made from the West. We like our name brands. You know, if you, if you go anywhere, and, you know, I'm speaking to about my Filipino people, if you go anywhere, they'll, I guarantee you, the, the men will be wearing polo shirts and the women will be wearing, you know, carrying some some name brand purse. They just have to, you know. It's 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 that thing. And and also one of the things that we that was left from our legacy is we want to be light skinned. We literally want to be white. Um, you know, for those who don't know, if, if if you are the Philippines and they say, "Oh, he's an Americano," they're talking about a white person. Even if that person is in Germany, from Germany, or from Europe, if they're white, they're Americans. But get a Mexican over there, Mexican American, or a Black American, Filipinos will say, "Oh, that person is black." No, he's American. Yeah, but he's black. So that is that is our history, which are again our youth, the protagonists of all this. Are the ones who are changing that? Changing yeah, and refusing, attitudes. refusing to put a label be, before, uh, especially um, 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 a color label before mm-hmm. um, a person. A person is a person, and uh, and it's um, and and I think you're um, I personally pre- like if I'm gonna buy salsa, I prefer the Mexican salsa. I mean, it's like a certain. <laughs> Certain things is like you know what tortillas. Oh, I have is I haven't found good tortillas until you have to go to the uh, place where they make them, right? Because it's like no, that's that's just horrible. Whatever you're serving is not real. Um, uh, but um, but it is it is um. That's why I I think what you're you're speaking of is that's when the um, all the riots happen. Everybody started. Oh my God! They're doing all these horrible things, but it's not. It's not. A, I mean, violence will always bring violence. Yet there's some. There's some moment where this violence is an expression of this frustration of this one um, expectation from us that people have to be nice. Yes, some people were taking advantage and doing some horrible things, but um, uh, people expressing themselves to the to the extent. That they felt not heard and not listened. That is making them be- become this um, 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 other type of people. It's something that we as a society have to really uh, stop and say: Why are people expressing themselves this way? Not not looking at the expression itself and say, "Well, oh, this is horrible." Put them all in jail because that's not that's that, that's not going to serve um, any purpose. The purpose is going to for of all of this is to say. Why are people expressing themselves in this way? How can we create some type of dialogue so people can feel part of the of the solution? And and unfortunately, when when you um um uh, when 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 people fe- feel diminished, unheard, and feel taken advantage of, um, uh, people will in in a in many instances react in a in a violent way. Mm-hmm. Yet, as a society, 
we cannot judge the reaction. We have to look at why why these things are happening. Why am I, um, where are we, um, more policing, more um, jail time is not going to fix what it is a listen to me, a cry for, listen mm-hmm. to me, and uh, let's, let's have a conversation. And, but um, a lot of our um, people in leadership, even people from, from our own cultures that have, um, are now in these other uh, uh, prominent positions, cannot come to understand that they need to um, uh, be models of listening, be models of people that are um, building trust. The, the famous line, build bridges, is, is not just um, 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 a line. It's an actual um, reality. How and, and, and you talk about synodality, right? The basis of synodality is to listen to each other so we can come to some um, conversation of understanding. Exactly. You know, when I found that that statement, um, it was from um, Deacon Deacon Art Miller from the Archdiocese of, of Hartford. And he said this, this comment, the ghost of hate comes back mm-hmm. out. Um, and when a, he said that after um, one of the speakers had said that a lot of these things started to happen. Because of COVID, their children were home. Everything was a lot on video, and you couldn't get away from it. You couldn't turn it off, and and their children were asking, "Why is this happening?" You know, uh, and and why did they do that? And the parents had to respond to that and face these questions head on. The things that that really sparked, you know, a lo- all these things that are, have been happening and happening, and we could literally turn it off and stay within our parish lines or stay in our community. And oh, that's happening over there in Minnesota. That's happening over there in Baltimore, not here. But the world got smaller in the last two years. Our kids were home. We were in our children's classrooms. The videos are on YouTube, 24-7 media. We couldn't get away from it, and we had to confront it. You know, the thing that happened with Amar Amon Aubrey, George Floyd, Black Lives Movement, you know, all these things, the riots, um, the protests, all these things. Parents had to come to terms with, this is the reality of what's happening in my country, in my community, and what is what is it that I'm supposed to do? And many of us, you know, we look to the church. Says, what's our church's response? And it was divided. You know, mm-hmm. I could honestly say that the church's response is divided, and and. It went down lines and confusion, and a lot of times I think it went down lines and confusion because I do believe that we have not done good enough to teach our faithful what what the Lord teaches. You know, I remember we were saying it's like, well, we should follow, you know, the social teachings of the church, and most lay people will say, the what? You know, there's seven of them, and they're like, what? 
because you know i most of our catholics you know most faithful we pray and stay we we pray and we go to mass and we go home and we live our lives and all of that is you know that's there i have my own problems and yeah i say a bad word or two and i say a racist word or two but i'm not a racist but in saying that am i committing i'm not committing that sin but am i guilty of the sin of omission because i am not actively participating or speaking about it mm-hmm. so and and you know and 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 you hit it right on education is a key to um learning who people are and learning not only about other people but our, about ourselves um in uh, how to um how do I, how do my, um, um, how do we see ourselves in, in the, in the history, right? As Mexicans, uh, they say, well, why don't you go home? And he's like, well, actually, California was part of Mexico until they, they revolted and they decided to be against it. I mean, Texas was part of, of, uh, of, uh, Mexico. Uh, the first Thanksgiving actually happened in Florida and it was a, a mass celebrated, you know, because he was a Catholic, um, some, um, in a in a way, um, we we need. I don't. I'm not talking about what what these people are saying. Revisionist uh, uh, history or what have you. Just the mere the mere uh, history. What happened when, and 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 read it from the from uh, from the perspective of other people, not from mm-hmm. people that I I like, but from other people, and then come to um to an agreement with the history. Um, my father was very fair skin because he um he um uh, his family lineage is from spain so he was blue-eyed and uh light light uh skin and uh and he would tell us stories um of um um going to he had a very um important job in he was a government representative in juarez where we grew up so he he would take them uh high people in the government to the United States, I don't know. So they went on this trip, and uh, and this is like the secretary or something from the Mexican government. They they went to eat at this place, and uh, and they denied the entrance to the secretary of whatever. <laughs> but they turned around to my dad and they said, "You can come in, sir. Please make yourself at home." And my dad was, "Oh my God, I'm I'm the low one and he's the high one, right?" So um, uh, um that was very um. They very interesting for him, and he would tell me that in, in El Paso, um, uh, he would go to this piano bar, and um, they would allow him to sit um, in the main room, but he never wanted to sit there because his friends were sitting in the kitchen in the in the other. So he was um, uh, he he was very um, in tune with his friends and what have you, but on, in the last days. When he he died of um, dementia and, and Alzheimer's, um, uh, he will tell me uh, stories on how he will say, and I keep telling the priests to allow um, uh, people, um, uh, African American people, to come to church. I keep telling him to allow them to sit with us, but he won't listen. And this is my dad. Remember, God knows what year and God knows where. And uh, and I was I was like, oh my God, this is very um. 
Um, uh, I mean, I have no idea, but uh, um, we 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 need to learn the history of what really happened, mm -hmm. so then we can make decisions and say this is how we're not going to allow it to happen again. So we can be open um, to other people. I mean, uh, just this conversation between you and I, we are from two complete uh, different cultures, although we share. Um, uh, I want to learn how you see life. You you want to learn how I see life, so we can grow together in um in our journey of faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, I'm not gonna preach at you to be like me, or you're gonna convince me to be um eating um um uh, the the food that adobo the right way, right? I mean, if I eat it with a spoon or a fork or what have you, but uh, it's gonna be a deeper um conversation than that and mm -hmm. and in sharing. So I think education. Um, uh, from from the point of view of the culture is important. Yeah. Learning who the who the the people are, an appreciation of mm -hmm. of the universality of the church. Yeah, when 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 I used to work at, at this facility, we had um, we had cultural diversity uh, week, and and you spoke about food because literally our cultural events were surrounded in, about food. And the reason why it surrounded was surrounded around food was it was our common thing that we everybody ate and everybody was able to appreciate. And I just remembered walking through every single booth and every single culture had a story about the food. And you got to meet people around the table, around the table of plenty where we eat. And I just saw that when I was I was I was probably in my my late twenties and thirties, that that is the mass. We gather at the feast. We learn about each other first, primarily about the food. I mean, if if you go around the world, and you know, if you go around your city, you know, you ask people, "Have you ever had Cuban food? Have you ever had Mexican food? Have you ever had Filipino food?" Majority of people would say, "Yeah, I've had that." Do you have any Filipino friends? Do you have any Cuban friends? I don't know. But I've had their food. I think we need to go a step beyond just knowing about their food just to get to know their history. And you said about history. You know, one of the things you said is your dad could pass for white. Um, one of the speakers I was listening to said, you know what? She comes from a mixed family. Her father is white and her mother is black. Um, and she's very light-skinned. So she could pass for white. As for her sister, she could not. And she said, I understood what white privilege was for me because I can get through anything. Whereas they would look at my sibling and, and yeah, it was, it was different. Um, but I know that there's more about white privilege and, and, and there's more to speak on uh, of of the travesty of of what has happened to our our black and brown brothers and sisters. Uh, someone asked me, "Are you going to talk about BLM? Are you going to talk about CRT?" I said, "I am at that point where I can't because I don't know it, and it's not my lived life." Mm -hmm. I said, "I'm speaking today on racism." on my experiences, but I can't speak on the experience of my black brothers and sisters. 
I can empathize. I can be an ally to them, but I can't directly speak on that topic because I don't know enough about it, and I cannot do it justice. But what I can say is that racism is a sin. It is. It is a sin. It is a sin. It's it, a... it kills the um, dignity of the human person, mm -hmm. and that is the first and most important of the social justice principles. Yep. We are all created by God. Yeah. And like most sins, it's not easy to name um, or talk about with other groups in different settings. We're uncomfortable with it. And and so many people choose to not talk about it at all. And we live in this silence. We, we It's it's that unspoken thing um, in our church, in our society, until something blows up and then... We blame it on the people who blow up. Yeah, mm -hmm. as my mom said, the 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 teapot only whistles when things are boiling. Mm -hmm. So turn down the heat, and it won't boil over. And I think we need to address that. Um, one one of the things that that um, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, I, I have um um because what you're saying is very important. Um, it was in one of the three things that I wanted to to make a point on. The first is education, from the perspective of the um, of yes. the culture of different cultures, right? That's that's very important that we learn that. If we have never read a book written by a black um uh, author, we need to do that. If we have never read a book by a Filipino uh, historian, we need to read read that so we can come to um. Uh, start to understand pers different perspectives, and then we can expand our mind and not have a colonial uh, mindset. Yeah. So education from a different perspective and open um, mind education from a dif different perspective. And then the, the second one is, um, and you were referring to um, us um, eating the food and listening to the story, which is um, having open experiences of people that are different as Catholics um, would be uh, the way people pray, the way people um, uh, uh, find God, that will be pastoral juvenile, right? Looking, um, understanding how God see um, people um, experience God. So me as a, as a Catholic, if I wanna, um, I wanna see, um, uh, I wanna stop the sin, sin of racism. I have to start looking at other people and see how God is is being manifesting in them not through my, my lens and say, oh, they don't know how to pray. Oh, they take so long in the entrance hymn. What's wrong with these people, right? But in an in a open way of saying, I want to experience God with this um, community in an open way, not judging. Um, I, I was the director of Hispanic ministry in another diocese, and the phone calls I got, like my, the funniest one, which is... Uh, not funny, I know, but this this um, lady called me and told me, "Why do the Mexicans uh, pray the rosary wrong all the time? <laughs> they don't know how to pray the rosary." And I said, "What do you mean? Well, they don't pray the creed; they pray um, uh, something else." And I said, uh, "Well, every uh, culture uh, prays the rosary different. Is there's no well? What is the official way?" I said, "Well, actually, there's no official way." Because it's, an, it's um, an expression of faith. 
so heck, you don't even have to pray the 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 um, um, although we we do have the the mysteries, but you could actually come up with your own mysteries to match the situation that you're in. And um, I mean, it was like no, but you have to pray the way the little booklet they gave us. I said, oh well, I mean, um, uh, to experience the faith from other uh, culture without judging them with a colonial eye and saying, my experience of faith is the right one, and everybody else is trying to imitate me, and they're doing a poor job, then that, that's not good. But to go at it and say, hey, this is this is beautiful, the way people um, express their faith. I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't want to be like that, because that would be cultural appropriation. But I want to I wanna enjoy God in, in that same uh, way, same level. Yeah, I think you know. I think there's a difference between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. I can appreciate that. I can, mm-hmm. you know, as as a as a person who's never seen Azteca dancers, and the first time I saw that, I was like, "What is going on here? It's loud. There's drums, and there's there's what is in that? Is there incense?" and and I remember Father Brendan, you know, an old Irish priest, comes to me and says, do you understand what you're seeing? And I said, no. He goes, well, let me tell you. And he explained it to me. And without his explanation, I would have left there going, I don't know what happened there, but it was weird. But his explanation and him coming to my side knowing, because I had that look of confusion, Taking that moment to say, this is what's happening. I was like, wow, that is super cool. You gave me a history lesson. And again, I have to say that history is written by the victor. You know? It is. And it's always, it's always written that way. But here's the difference with American history. We have the opportunity to make changes to it. You know, I studied in the Philippines, and I grew up in the United States. And it wasn't until I went to the Philippines that I learned the history of the Philippines and how the United States conquered and colonized it and all the atrocities of what happened there. And you know where I found it? I found it at the U.S. Embassy Library that only Americans can go to. And because I was an American, I get to go. And there were things written there from Mark Twain of his his protest against the colonization and of, of these peoples. And I was like, how come I never learned this? In my U.S. history class, well, that's that's one of those things. We have to seek it out. We have to search it. We have to share that education with other people. Mm-hmm. And I've I've always told my friends that just because we learn the bad things about our past doesn't make this country a bad place. Mm-mm. It means that we continue to improve and we can be protagonists in making this a better place for all peoples, not just a minority, not just the majority, but for all people. 
Okay. Yeah, and and it's not being afraid to face our um our past and and move forward with a new mindset. That's what makes us great to be able to say, you know, we made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Let's let's move forward, and that's that's the beauty of of um having conversations like like this and saying, you know, what in my family, where have we done that I'm uh, we shouldn't be doing. Um, where we're not um, appreciating other people. And I know we can talk a lot about this, but I, I have a third point that I don't want to uh, lose um, uh, because um, I don't know. I don't know how long we're going to talk. We can talk forever. But uh, the, the third point is solidarity. Mm-hmm. Solidarity with the people. Honest solidarity. Not a service project I go there and help you. But um, an honest solidarity where we see people in need because um, uh, unfortunately, a lot of um, the misunderstandings on culture are with people that are um, socially economic um, challenged that are not the ones on top of the of the social um, um, ladder and uh, and being able to see those um, challenges people are doing. Yes, we can go. We can paint a house, we can do this. But with that also comes uh, um, um, listening to the people, listening to their hopes and dreams, allowing people to express themselves so we can come into uh, being solidarious with, uh, with the people that we are uh, serving. Not just a come go um, uh, savior mentality. I'm saving people because I'm fixing their homes, but, um, but actually learning from what is causing poverty, where, what can I do? Um, uh, to um, uh, change the system. Mm-hmm. So it's education um, uh, from the perspective of the culture, having open experiences of, uh, because we're, we're Catholic, open experiences of faith, no, with an open mind going and experiencing how people experience God and being solidarity are three very um, uh, good ways or um, beginnings that we can start opening our eyes to see who we are as um, as a person. How can we be less um, 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 on a mentality that is judgmental to other people's culture? I think that's beautiful. I think those three points is where we'll leave it at. I just want to say, as as a one last note, you know, many of us, especially the Catholic, the Catholic faith, is known to be pro life, and mm-hmm. and. We do have a ministry. We have a pro-life ministry that we support. Um, but I wanted to address all of our listeners who are pro-life that you know, being pro-life is under the life and dignity of the human person. It's only an aspect of that part of our church's social teaching. And being pro-life concerns this topic of racism. You know, solidarity is being your brother's keeper. You know, it's answering that question from our Lord Jesus is, who is your neighbor? And that neighbor is that person next to you. One of the most beautiful image that I saw this past week was a person who was sitting by a homeless person. He was a black police officer. She was a white homeless lady. And they were eating lunch. And he said, God put it into my heart to have lunch with you. Have you eaten? And she said, no. And they had lunch. And they talked. 
That is my hope of having a conversation, of listening to someone and just being completely present. When I look at my Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that regardless of your skin color, your social status, that he's the guy who would either ask you to sit with him because he's hungry, or the one giving you food because you're hungry. Um, Having that dialogue, being able to listen. It's a difficult topic, I know, and I know we did not go deep into this, as some of our listeners may hope we could, we should have. Uh, some some of our listeners even asked about critical race theory and some questions about, uh, you know, potential problematic and violent paths of colonization and evangelization, evangelization of indigenous peoples. Uh, we can go on forever with that. Yeah, and that and that is, I mean, we can we can talk about um, the colonizing. Um, uh, um, aspect of our church, mm-hmm. yet Christ is the Lord. Christ is the head of the church, and the, and Mother Church calls us, like you said, and and uh, to love one another, to to repent um, of our own um, misunderstandings or our own actions that we have committed, and then and move forward from there. Yeah. And yes, the church. Um, has a past, like a lot of people have a past, but we need to look forward and how can we be a better church today? And we can, we can, I mean, we can do a part B, C, D, E, F, G. I mean, because yeah. it's such a rich topic. Yeah. And one of the things is I just want to remind people that we are the body of Christ. Uh-huh. We are the body of Christ and we are one. You know, you might not like what the, how your foot looks because you got bunions and, uh, but you are still, part of the body of Christ. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful faith. It's a beautiful church. And um, Alex, thank you for joining us. Yeah, it, it was a now. great conversation. I know we're going to have more of these conversations. We're going to do definitely need to come back and, and tackle some of these questions that I asked people to send. And I never got to ask. <laughs> so... We're we're gonna we're gonna answer. I promise you guys. We're gonna take these questions. I'm gonna send them to to Alex um, so that maybe we can uh, legitimately answer them because I, I do believe that the questions that you have um, needs a dignified answer rather than just the conversation on our opinions. So, mm-hmm. on that note, thank you so much, Alex. Do you have any parting words for us? Yes, n- let's not be afraid of um, facing each other for who we are. Let's let's be open to the Holy Spirit in, within each other. God is speaking through us, even through the bad people, not so we can judge Him, but so we can be witnesses of His love and be um, a, a caring, understanding person. Yet we have to be honest with ourselves and say, this is the way I'm being a Christian, and this is the way I'm loving Christ. And if it's not a matching with the Lord, then we have to change. And uh, and and it's not because I'm a bad person, but because I want to meet, I want to be like Christ. I want Christ to be in me, less of me, more of Him. Yeah. Every you know, Alex. Everybody wants to be your child now. It's like super dad, right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I just have to do a plug. 
um, for all of you who who want to learn a little bit more about um, the church and its response to racism, I suggest that you go to the National Federation of Catholic Youth Ministry um, website. It's nfcym.org, and you can find um, sessions there and talk about racism and things like that. I definitely... Um, request for you to go to that site. We're going to put it on our links um, so that you can go there and find some of some great conversations with young people and with clergy on this conversation that we need to have. I know it's not trending anymore, but it still needs to continue to be discussed and continues to be uh, continues to be spoken about in your youth groups, in your uh, family and life groups, um, and maybe a conversation with your pastor if they're having a difficult time sharing this news and information in the homily. Um, also, if you're having a really tough time um, addressing this uh, racism, um, again, go to the National Federation of Catholic Youth Ministers, Youth Ministry. website, and there's a multitude of information there. Um, So that's where I am going to send you. On that note, Alex, thank you for joining us. May God always bless you and keep you and your family. Say hello to your beautiful wife and your beautiful children. Um, Fam, if you have any comments, concerns, uh, questions, please send us an email at catholic.dad50 at gmail.com. Please become a patron and support us so that we can put some people through uh, these events. Um, by the way, we uh, the podcast is sponsoring one person to be able to go to uh, NCYC this November. So if you want to support that, please uh, become a patron. All of the funds that you send through our patron goes back to youth ministry causes. And on that note, as we always say, um, live a life of holiness. Be blessed and be third. And I forgot, we'll be praying for you. Please pray for us. God bless. Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown with the noise. Different generations of new girls and boys. So sit back and relax. This Catholic podcast don't overreact. If these thoughts are abstract, when it's hosted by Catholic Doc Dad, who knows what's gonna happen? Hey, what's up, fam? Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown with the noise. And see if this connected. What's up, fam? To connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along. Spec runaway thoughts like a runaway train break into conversation like links of a chain. Make a Hail Mary pass, hope disconnects. Have a question for a guest, put it to rest. Live a life of holiness, lead by example. Follow at Catholic.dead and many tingled. <laughs> Christ leads our way, he's the good shepherd. Pray for one another, be blessed, and be there. Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown with the noise. And see if this connected. This connected podcast is brought to you by The Cabin. 
Want to get away and get some peace and quiet and rest? Yes, rest, but not too far away from home or the city. Want to experience a true log cabin feel in the mountains? Well, I have the recommendation for you. The cabin is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, a full-size kitchen, and all the essential amenities will make your stay a memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin, located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out The Cabin on Instagram at thecabin2021. Again, that's at thecabin2021. T-H-E-C-A-B-I-N 2021.